Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17. 1 Kings 18, 17. The scripture tells us that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were servants in Babylon as captives uh, from Judah. And the king of Babylon got this huge statue built. Uh, and the people were to bow down to this statue and worship this statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow. And so, uh, as often there is, there was somebody in the crowd who t- was a tattletale and went and told Nebuchadnezzar about it. And Nebuchadnezzar called them before him and he said, if you bow when the music begins to play and you you worship this statue as I've commanded, you'll be fine. But if not, you're going in this fiery furnace. And they said, well, king, uh, we serve the God of heaven. We, we cannot bow to this statue, and we know that he's able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Well, as you know, they bound Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he took his strongest guards, and he had those guards throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And the guards died from the flames that were coming out of the furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are walking around inside, and he looks, and he sees, and he says, Behold, I see a fourth man who looks like a son of the gods walking in the fire with them. And they came out and they didn't even smell like smoke. The only thing that burned were the bonds around their wrist. I want you to know that God is faithful. And that in times where government is wicked, God can sustain his people. Uh, I'm grateful that there are stories in scripture of people who lived in times of great difficulty. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. David in the time of the Philistines. The apostles under the persecution uh, that, that happened in the early church. So many situations where difficult times came to God's people. And this time is no different than any other time in history. There are still difficulties today in the United States of America. And... God is still able to sustain us. Elijah has been on a three-year vacation to the brook Kareth and then to go live with a widow at Zarephath uh, to be supplied from, from her provision that God supernaturally supplied. But God has told him to come back and to tell Ahab that rain is going to come, but first there needs to be a gathering of the prophets of the land, as well as Elijah, uh, to this place called Mount Carmel. And when Ahab sees Elijah coming, he says, Oh, look, there's the troubler of Israel. But Elijah says, I'm not the troubler of Israel. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? You Christians are trouble. Uh, But uh, Elijah says, You are the troubler of Israel. Your policy, your... Your wickedness and abandoning God and going after the Baals is what the problem is in our country today. 
He says, gather these people and we're going uh, to talk. Uh, and, and then we're going to see who is God. And Elijah confronts him and says, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And so as you know the story, they get the two bulls, and we're not going to read all that, that far down into the passage, but they get these bulls, and God answers by fire, and Baal is powerless to answer by fire. And uh, they kill the prophets of Baal, the people who are gathered there that day. And uh, God then tells Elijah, tell them the rain is on its way. And so Elijah begins to pray and seek God, and prays for the rain, and after seven times of prayer, God sends the rain, and uh, once again, blessing comes on the land. Uh, I was looking uh, this past week at some, some quotes from some founding fathers of our land, and one was George Washington, and in his inaugural address as the first president of our country, he said there is a, a direct correspondence between the righteousness of a nation and the blessing of God upon a nation. That's what you see right here in this chapter. You see God withholding rain for three years because of the wickedness of the people. And then God sending rain because of the repentance of the people here. And so um, we as God's people need to use the spiritual resources that we have to overcome the troubles in our country. Uh, and in case you're wondering uh, whether or not this is the message I was originally going to preach, it's not. God changed it this afternoon. I may do that one next week if God's permitting. But the title of my message tonight is Overcoming What Troubles Our Country. Overcoming What Troubles Our Country. Look with me at 1 Kings 18 and verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, you destroyer of Israel? He replied, I have not destroyed Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have abandoned the Lord's commands and followed the Baals. Now summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered all the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. First thing I want you to see, overcoming what troubles our country, we're going to talk about what troubles our country because I believe the same things that are troubling Israel are troubling our country today. The first one is wicked leadership. Wicked leadership. Uh, as Elijah comes to develop this message, he, he accuses Elijah of being the problem. Isn't that exactly what's happening to Christians today? Christians, you're troubling us with your prayer in school. Christian, Christians, you're troubling us with your Ten Commandments. Get them out of our national life. Christians, you're troubling us with your morality. We want none of that. We want our own morality. 
you go off in a corner somewhere and keep quiet because we want to go a different direction. Uh, we, we have seen the leadership of our country support abortion. Um, these uh, videos that came out uh, a while back uh, not only show the support of abortion itself, which is a, is a, is a horrendous evil, but show the support of the selling of baby body parts, the killing of babies who survive an abortion. Uh, this kind of wickedness is just horrible. And it is being approved by many who occupy seats in our Congress and in our presidency, and it is approved by many in our country. It is a great wickedness. And the leadership, many of those in leadership in our country are supporting that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I began to hear things about the latest executive order that our president has given uh, to let transgender students use whatever bathroom they want to use. This is a direct attack on the morality of Christianity. I want to tell you, if they're concerned about having a problem to, about where to use the bathroom, they could have a single stall that says bathroom and have a door that locks, and that would solve the problem. But this is not about that. This is an assault on Christian values. I want to tell you something. The Bible says that we're to be modest. And the Bible says that we are not to look upon the nakedness of a person of the opposite sex. It's not our spouse. Uh, if you Actually, if you look in the Hebrew of Leviticus 18, as it talks about all the different kinds of sexual immorality... It, it says, do not uncover, literally, do not uncover the nakedness of fill in the blank. And, and it, it is a, a term used to describe sexual immorality. Uh, our government is promoting sexual immorality, and it is a wickedness. It is a grave wickedness, and is striking at the foundation and the heart of what we as Christians believe. Uh, there is corruption in our government. You don't have to look very far in either party to find corruption. Uh, there is compromise in morality. The Bible says when the righteous rule a nation, the, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people mourn. Uh, our our, our uh, officials say one thing when they're trying to get elected. And they do another thing after they've been elected. And so uh, we see an assault on God being involved in national life. We see... We see an opposition in our media against any kind of Christian values. We're told to just suck it up and take it and uh, just deal with it. This is what's going to happen. Uh, and, and we're told that this evil that's being promoted is actually good. It's been given the name of not discriminating against someone else. But I want to tell you something. Uh, our wives and our daughters are being discriminated against. Uh, this, is, this is an evil in our land. And so you say, well, well, pastor, tell me something I don't know. I'm talking about this problem. Why? Because we're, we're, we're talking about overcoming the evil in our land. Overcoming the trouble in our land. So how do you overcome wicked leadership? Well, what did Elijah do? Elijah prayed. Under God's leadership. God led him to pray that it would stop raining. 
We sing, God bless America. Elijah was saying, God curse Israel. You know, our personal comfort needs to take second place to God's purpose for this land. Um, we need to pray under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I believe you pray against e- uh, evil. The scripture tells us we're to pray for our government officials, and I do believe that we're to do that. But the scripture also tells us that we're to oppose what is evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And one of the ways you do that is in prayer. Praying against the wickedness of the land. God is able to stop wickedness. Um, I'm amazed sometimes at the simple ways that God uses to bring about a change. A man named Elijah is told to pray that it will stop raining and to tell the king what he's prayed. Then three years later, after God hides him away and protects him, and by the way, all this time they're killing all the prophets of Yahweh. They're hunting them down. And this guy named Obadiah is hiding them in, in caves to protect them from Jezebel and Ahab, the, the two rulers of the land. Uh, this is the opposition of this wicked leadership, but God's protected Elijah. Now he tells him, go back, tell, tell him that it's going to rain again. And you see Elijah begin to enter into conversation with these prophets of Baal and Asherah, these two false gods. And Elijah is the one in charge. He's outnumbered 850 to 1. But he's speaking with authority. Ahab's just sitting in the sidelines watching. God has come into the situation and is going to bring about not a a total awakening and revival that that would last a long time, but a, a season of revival that would once again bring God's blessing. Um. Elijah was simply obedient to do what God told him to do. He prayed. He was obedient. He was bold to speak as God led him to speak. I'm going to tell you, we as Christians need to be bold. Uh, and I know you, you preach a message like this, and, and, and there'll be somebody sometimes that, that is offended. And, and that's not my intention. There, there's enough wickedness to go around in our country. But, uh, but I will say this. The Bible says there's a time to speak and there's a time to refrain from speaking and I think the time to speak has come psalm says uh, if uh, if the foundations are destroyed what can the righteous do the very foundations of our country are being attacked in a way that I've never seen in my lifetime and if we don't speak up as Christians if we're not uh, open with what we believe we, we can't afford to hide in the corner somewhere And to be afraid of what people are going to think, we've got to speak uh, truth in the situation as God leads us and in the spirit of love. But we must speak. So, the first uh, troubling thing in our country is wicked leadership. The second thing is a divided people. A divided people. In uh, verse 21... The scripture says, uh, Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions or two paths? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. A divided people. They're hesitating. They're trying to decide, well, what am I going to believe? What am I going to do? 
with my life. That's exactly where many people in our country are today. Wavering between two opinions. I've, I've seen multiple times with Barna research and other research that's out there that talks about the interviews that are conducted with people who go to Bible-believing evangelical churches in our country. And what you find is a large number of them don't believe the truth of God's Word. A large number of them aren't living the morality of God's Word. A large number of them are silent in witness. Um, and, and, and you look at these things, and, and all through the people of God, there is this sense of, oh, I've got to be politically correct. Uh, am I going to stand with what the culture is saying? Am I going to stand with what the leaders are saying? Am I going to stand with what the media is saying? Or I'm, am I going to stand with what God's Word is saying? Or maybe I just need to be quiet and not say anything. And we're divided. And you find that discussions, I had somebody recently uh, sharing with me about a conversation um, that she had with, with another person who went to a church in, in the north and, um, and she was sharing about how totally different her beliefs were from hers. And yet she went to a church, a Christian church, we're divided. I want to tell you, um, culture changes. Leaders change. Uh, what people are saying, what experts are saying changes. If you look throughout history, you find that's consistent. God does not change. And morality is not based on personal opinion. It is based on the character of God that is unchanging. Um, we don't need to be divided. We need to, to, to choose the truth. To choose the truth. How long, Elijah says, will you waver between two opinions? Try to court what the world says or tries to court what other people say. How long will you care more about what people think than what I think? I think that's where a lot of us are. Well, people will say I'm intolerant if I say that. People won't like me. What am I going to do if, if somebody takes offense at what I say? divided but God's word is not divided his word is consistent and uh, so how do you deal with this problem of a divided people you speak the truth of God's word <laughs> Paul told Timothy um, those who've been led astray they had a false doctrine issue in the church that Timothy was pastoring at that time Paul told Timothy teach them gently instruct them gently uh, in the hope that God will grant them a repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. So you speak the truth in love. Again, you pray. God, change our hearts. God, search us and know us. And um, I think about uh, Ezra. When the captives had returned back from captivity and he found out that some of them had taken these foreign wives and began to go into idolatry just like they had done before the captivity. And he sees this and his heart is just broken and he, he sits down before God, just broken before God for days. Finally, people begin to take notice. What's up with Ezra? 
He's been sitting there for several days. What's going on? And, and, and they come and, and they begin to join in prayer with Ezra and God sends revival. I think one of the problems with, with the church in America today is that no one has a burden. I think there are some who have a burden. But I think many don't have a burden for, to see God do a great work and to, to bring forgiveness and restoration for sin. We need to be asking God, Lord, give me your burden in my prayer time uh, so that I can intercede for my country and for the church in our country, the, the national church that is divided. God told Ezekiel, I looked for someone to stand in the gap on behalf of the city, but I found no one, so I had to destroy the city. One of the greatest tragedies that could ever happen to America would be for God's people to stop praying. For God's people to stop having a burden. So, continue to do what God says. Continue to follow his leadership in your life and to speak for God, but also speak the truth of God's word. Uh, so, the first problem, a wicked leadership. Second problem, a divided people. Thirdly, an uncommitted people. An uncommitted people. Look at verse uh, 21, the second part of verse 21. Elijah says, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't answer a word. The people didn't answer a word. There's not a single one that said, yeah, Elijah, you're right. We need to make a decision. Or one that fell to his knees and said, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've been an idolater. Not a one. They remain silent. I want to tell you something. When revival comes, God's people are broken. They didn't answer a word. Many times God's word goes out in the pulpits of our land and those places where the word's being taught. And people say, stepped on my toes, preacher. I heard uh, Spurgeon one time says, well, I stepped on your toes, but what are you going to do about it? <laughs> uh, you know, it's not enough just to hear. We've got to follow through and, and follow in the word of God. Um, and so um, the people were uncommitted. Church attendance is following. We were talking about this in Sunday school. In the American church, the church is in decline. In Africa, it's exploding. In Korea, it's exploding. In China, it's exploding. But the American church is in decline. Why is that? I believe one of the problems is we have an uncommitted people. Uh, people are coming to church, what can you do for me? And you should come for that reason, partially. Uh, I, I hope that I will always come seeking a blessing from God. But it's more than that. Uh, we've got to come willing to serve. And do what God has called us to do. Willing to use our spiritual gifts. Willing to be active in the church. Active in the community to try to reach people. And if we're uncommitted. 
a lost world will go to hell and God's church will fail and falter. I think one of the reasons we're uncommitted is that we've left our first love. I've seen that in my own life. In times where I've, I've not been where I've needed to be with Jesus, my commitment has begun to be shaky. And uh, God told the Ephesian church, he said, you've left your first love. If you don't repent, I'm going to come take your candlestick away. I think God has taken the candlestick away. He's in the process in America if we don't repent. An uncommitted people. What do we do about that? Well, first of all, I can't control what you do. You can't control what I do, but we can each control what we do ourselves. So you can come before God and uh, you can have personal revival. If nobody else gets in on it, you can have personal revival. And you can say, God, show me where my heart is not right with you. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David said, Lord, I need you to search me. You ask God if there's sin in your life, he will show it to you. I've told you before about the time I prayed in Texas and for an hour God kept showing me stuff. That's, that's humbling. <laughs> Lord, I thought I was doing okay, but... <laughs> Boy, after this time, I, I, I guess I'm not. Uh, but it was a blessing. I confess that sin, and guess what? Fellowship was back. Uh, but I, I also believe that as a church, we can humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face. Turn from our wicked ways, and he'll hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. The American church needs to do that. If the American church as a whole did that, what would happen in our country? It would be amazing the change that God would bring. Um, we need to pray for the church in America and the church around the world that we will do these things. But we can do that as a local church. God can bring local church revival. I've seen it. Boy, that's exciting. You get in the middle of that, buddy, you... Nothing else is as, is as good or sweet. You just, you just long for it. Um, so pray for the church. Uh, continue to do what God has put you here to do. Make the difference that you can make. Elijah was not the only Christian. 7,000 had not bowed the knee to Baal, but he was the, the only prophet present at this meeting. And as the only prophet present at this meeting... Uh, he still spoke up for God. That, that's courage. And God can bring that in our lives. So uh, you be committed to what God has called you to do. And you pray for others so that God can change us from an uncommitted to a committed people. Um, nationally, locally, uh, in our church. Uh, God knows the hearts of people and he can do that. So... Uh, what troubles our country? A wicked leadership, a divided people, an uncommitted people, and finally an evil majority. An evil majority. I just mentioned this. But look at verse 22. Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. And he mentioned earlier, Asher had 400 there too. So it's 850 to 1. How do you like those odds? An evil 
majority. Now, there are people who debate whether or not uh, evangelical Christians are, are the minority in our land. Um, I really am not sure about it, but I do know this. I think there's a minority of, of evangelical Christianity in leadership in our country. Um, and I think we're increasingly seeing a slide down the sinful path to where we're becoming the minority. We're becoming the ones who are being set aside uh, for the agenda of the culture. An evil majority. Did that intimidate God? <laughs> no. Isn't it amazing how one man who had the Spirit of God upon him was able to turn this whole situation around in, in God's power uh, with all of this opposition. He had a king who hated, who hated believers. He had 850 false prophets who hated the ground that he walked on. He had a group of people who were observing, most of whom were Baal worshipers. And yet God turned it all around. Listen, God's arm is not too short to save. He is still the same God that he was back then. It doesn't matter who's in the majority. And listen, I, I believe you ought to vote, even if it's for the lesser of two evils. But I'm going to tell you something. Ultimately, God is sovereign no matter who's in the White House and no matter who's in Congress. He can turn things around. By the way, did you know that God sent a message to Ahab about his death? And the Bible says that Ahab walked around meekly. And I believe it was Isaiah. Isaiah, I think, went back to him and said, God has seen you. You humble yourself before him, so he's going to extend your life. I want to tell you something. God can humble a king. God can humble a leader. God can change the course of a nation. I love what Joshua said. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the kind of uh, character and Christian integrity that we need in this day and time. No matter what anybody else is going to do, no matter if I'm in the minority, I will serve God. By the way, I think we're also in the, in the minority um, of preachers who preach and teach the truth of God's word. That's what I've heard from people. Uh, it's hard to find a place where the word is taught. I know of several in this area, but um, I'm being told that more and more. It's hard to find that. People who've moved around from place to place says one of the greatest challenges we have is finding a place where they teach and preach the word of God. I'll tell you, they're gurus telling people how to run the church. And um, the Russian Christians said, we did great when all we had was Jesus in the Bible. But you've come over here with your church growth experts and you've messed us up. Um, I, I think so many people are looking to everything and everything else to do the work of God, but only one thing will accomplish that, and that is the supernatural power of God. And when we're in the minority, we recognize our need for his supernatural power. But God is able. So what should you do when you're in the minority? Again, pray. Wait on God. 
Be obedient to God when he, he leads you to move. Jeremiah Lampier set up a prayer time to pray for revival in the city of New York City. And he was the only one that showed up the first day at the beginning. <laughs> How would that be for encouragement? He began to pray, but six people eventually came. But God brought a great revival. More and more people began to come, and through the commitment of one man, God brought revival to a city. God's arm's not too short to save. Jonah went to preach to the Ninevites. He didn't really want to go, but when you think about the things the people of Assyria did when they captured people, I mean, they were just so cruel. They were horrible people. That's why Jonah didn't want to go. But God said, go. Jonah preached. I don't know if his message probably wasn't that short, but he said, uh, uh, three days and Nineveh will be overturned. If that was his message, you know, the Baptists would love that, wouldn't they? Just one sentence. He was done. And uh, God brought a great revival from the king throughout the city. They repented. Jonah's sitting on the mountain waiting for the fire to fall, and God says, it's not coming. I've spared these people because they repented. One man made a difference. What could God do through your life? What could God do with the people who are gathered here in this place tonight? If we said, God, grant us your burden for our country. God, pray through us. God, help us to, to shed genuine tears for our city, for our nation, for our children who are being assaulted by this world and the wickedness of this world. God, give us revival. Uh, the story is told about the man who, who prayed, give me Scotland or I die. And God told him, first you're going to have to die. God, give me a surrendered heart to follow you no matter what it costs, no matter what road I go down, so that your work will be done through my life. Um, as you are willing to let God pray through you and grant you his burden in prayer, as you're willing to be obedient, to wait on God. You may, you know, Elijah waited for three years. But when God said move, he said yes. We don't know what God's timetable is all of the time, but, but we just need to be ready to wait on God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I told you this morning I was mad coming to, to, to uh, church on, I think it was Tuesday, Tuesday morning maybe? I don't know. Anyway, I was mad and out of sorts. Why was I mad? I was mad about stuff that's going on in our country. I was struggling with it. I was angry and in turmoil over it. And guess what? I spent some time waiting on God, and guess what? He renewed my strength. He renewed my hope. He renewed my faith. He's still in charge. So, pray, wait on him, obey. Ask Christ for his heart for our nation and see what God will do. Overcoming the troubles in our country. A wicked leadership, a divided people, an uncommitted people, and an evil majority. Regardless of what the opposition is, God 
is able. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your word and for the communication of your truth to our hearts and lives. Father, forgive me for the times that I've not been bold. Father, help us to have your boldness, your uh, passion in our hearts for our country. God, give us your grace.